Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now, Lord, for this opportunity just to get into your word. Holy Spirit, I give up my words, my thoughts, my heart, all of me right now, Father. I give it to you. I submit to you, Holy Spirit. Whatever you want to minister to us, Father, I just give to you, Father. May it be penetrating into our hearts and our souls. May it be life-changing and transforming, Father, because your word is alive and active. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and we all say Amen. Let me recap the last two weeks. We, last week I said we're not in a series, but I think we got caught in a series. And so it's still Seek Me Part 3 uh, today. But let, let's recap the last two weeks. Um, the first week we talked about Seek Me, which is seeking the Father in his heart. We talked about how, how uh, we need to come to him not just on a Sunday, not necessarily just dating God, but being committed and married to God on a daily basis. And, you know, when the new year starts, we feel like we all have a fresh, clean slate. Agreed? Like 2018's here. I mean, I've heard it everywhere. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be an awesome year. It's, a, it's just that feeling of a new slate. And I want you to know that you don't have to wait till the first of the year to feel that. You can have that every single day of your life. Because his grace is renewed every morning in our life. And we talked, the only, we talked about the only way we can experience and, and soak that in is by understanding that there is a need to seek our Heavenly Father. There is a need to seek God daily. That's the key word. Everyone say daily. We need to seek him on a daily basis. And the danger behind not doing that is we can get so comfortable with saying, well, well, I'm saved. I don't really need to seek him out. I'm good. I got my fire insurance. I'm going to go to heaven. And the danger behind that is, no, it doesn't cut it that way. God's saying, I need you to nurture. I need you to grow your relationship with me. You know, if you think about a relationship in your life, when you think about a relationship, when I think about my, my relationship with my wife, the good relationship didn't just happen like that overnight. It took time of just getting to know each other, spending time together, then having a, a, a season of engagement, then having a season of marriage, which we're still in, and continuing to journey in life together. And so what I'm saying is when you seek the Father on a daily basis, you're only nurturing your relationship with him. There is a need to seek his face. And our anchor scripture uh, comes out of Psalms chapter 63, verse 1 through 3, and understand the reason why we have an anchor scripture is because an anchor scripture teaches us to place, uh, to have the place in our hearts, making sure that it's right. That that place in our, uh, in our heart, that scripture in our heart, is what's anchoring us to Christ. And again, it comes out of Psalm 63. And this is King David in the wilderness of Judah. And he calls out, he cries out to God and he says, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Do you guys remember early will I seek you. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness, and I love this part, is better than life. I'm going to repeat that. Your loving kindness, I'm going to sing it, is better than life. And when you think about that, and when you declare King David in the wilderness, a moment where in the natural, he's thirsty, he's probably hungry. He's saying, man, your loving kindness is better than life. Now check what he says in the next sentence. My lips shall praise you. I'll even add my dry lips, my thirsty lips will praise you. 
And you can see the attitude inside of, inside of David where he's just saying, nothing in the temporal, natural world of what I see or what I feel is going to stop me from praising you. And there is so much teaching behind that. We can see the attitude of David even in the midst of hunger and thirst and in a dry and weary land where there's no water around. David's saying, I'm still going to appraise you. And there are two questions that rise out of that we talked about. And the first question is this. Do we thirst for him the way God, or the way King David thirsts for his God in the midst of, a, of the wilderness? And the second thing is, early, do we seek his face? And I challenged you guys the last two weeks to, to check yourself with that. Go to God. Am I thirsty for righteousness or am I thirsty for things that are just around me? Because around us will not quench that thirst. Only he will quench that thirst. And early do I seek him. Not just early in the morning, which is not bad, but early in circumstances. Have we chosen to pout about things that we go through in life for a couple of days, then realize, okay, now I got to go to my God? Or do we go to God right away when something arises, a problem or an issue arises? And a good indicator is by listening to your words when a problem arises. Think about it for a second. If, if an issue rose up in life, if something came up and your words are like, oh, God, why am I going through this? That's a good indicator that we're not seeking his face daily. Okay, not questioning salvation, but challenging you guys, are we seeking him daily? Because the first thing that should rise up is let's turn to his word. Let's pray. Let's go to him and let's seek him early um, in this situation and where we're at. And the whole, the whole lesson behind that is that we need to learn to be aggressive in our pursuit in Christ. That we need to be aggressive when it comes to Jesus and our relationship. And then last week we talked, we went a little bit deeper. We talked about uh, three things that fasting is because fasting is something that God uh, really would want us to practice in our life. We went through the Beatitudes on that one. But I'm going to give you the three things that fasting is. And the first one is this, that fasting is an invitation, okay? And a lot of times we can be forced or, or, or pressured to do something when God wants to lead us into that. It's an invitation to us. And we saw that where Jesus uh, was challenged in the book of Matthew chapter 9 by, by some uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, and, and they said, well, uh, Jesus, our, our, our disciples here and, and all those here, we fast now, but your disciples, they don't even practice it right now. And I love Jesus' answer because he comes back and he answers, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them. The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken up from them. Then, everyone say then. Then they will fast. And him being the bridegroom, he knew there was going to be a season when we would enter into that. And we would intercede for others. But in the midst, while he was still walking on earth, he said, they're not going to do this right now. I'm here already. But I will, my death and my resurrection is coming. Then they will make that decision to go ahead and do so. So the first one was fasting is an invitation. Number two was fasting is humbling yourself before God. And a lot of times we do look at the word uh, humble or humility as uh, taking a lower position, which is true, and it is a part of it. But understand that when we're at a lower position in heart before our Heavenly Father, it's also, um, it's also grounding ourselves to gain the character of God in our life. When we humble ourselves in circumstances, 
You know, we, we want to rise up and take care of things on our own. But God says, when you humble yourself before the Lord, my character, my nature, the fruit of righteousness will produce out of you. That's not you and what you're coming out of or maybe what you grew up in. It's me that's dwelling and living within you already. And the third thing that we talked about was fasting. Fasting is an act of worship. And I quickly touched it earlier today where when we worship God, it's not just we who has the better voice or, or, or I can sing or I can play or I can just make some noises that's joyful for him, but it's actually expressing love towards him. And, and in other words, it's separating yourself from the world so we can have an encounter with God. So what I'm saying is you don't have to worship just here. You can go out there and worship. You can go to your jobs and worship. If you're in school, you can be in school and worship. Car rides, you can worship. You can worship wherever you are, day or night. It's expressing your love for him. And now we continue on in a couple of things. I want you guys to understand one thing, though, okay? Even though we're on part three of our, of our Seek Me series of Seeking Our Father, I want you to understand this. There is a purpose on the pursuit of seeking Jesus. And let me tell you something, in the midst, especially in, the, in a season of fasting, it can get wearisome. You get hungry. And some of us, we get hangry, okay? If you don't know what hangry is, hangry is you're hungry and you're angry and you're angry because you're hungry. So we call that hangry. But understand that there is a, when we enter the season of, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to seek his face. I'm going to seek him like, like I've never seeked anything before. Understand that there is a purpose behind that, that we seek Jesus, and Paul explains it, the Apostle Paul, he explains it in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. And Paul says, may your experience, everyone say experience. May your experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand, um, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It is not, what Paul's saying, it is not trying, it's not about trying to understand God fully, Okay? Because we tend to beat ourselves when we don't understand what God is doing. Ever said that before? I don't understand why I'm going through. I don't understand what's going on, what's happening. God, Paul's not talking about that. He's saying it's about experiencing, okay, experiencing him fully so that you can be made complete. Think about this for a second. I want you to journey with me for a second. Remember the first time you came to Jesus Christ. Remember the first time salvation knocked at your door and you opened and you let Jesus in your heart. You guys remember that? We're journeying back for a second. Because I know when, when salvation, when Jesus, when he was there and, and, and invited me into his life, I knew nothing about him. Or anything about the word. I had no knowledge of it. I knew somewhat of who God was and I thought I knew some things about the Bible but I was so far, far away. But what I do know is the experience I had with him the moment I said yes. The experience of being forgiven. The experience of knowing that I've been set free. Knowing I have a new identity in Christ. And Paul taught us that. He said, it's not the fact that you have to know everything about God or try to understand through knowledge, but it's about experiencing God, your Savior, Jesus Christ, all through the Holy Spirit. And in John 15, 5, Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine, okay? You are the branches. 
If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. You know, in my backyard, uh, I have uh, my kids' playground, and we we kind of we don't live in the country. We live in the north side of town, but we don't live in the country. Um, I heard it used to be the country. I heard it used to be blueberry fields, but apparently, you know, things develop, time goes on, and people expand and grow uh, uh, cities. And so where I'm at, I live in a subdivision, but that subdivision, there's like sporadic spots where it's wooded. Okay, it's like just wooded area. And my backyard yard has that, has that wooded area. And every season I look out my back window. I love looking at my back window because I don't see the traffic. I see, I see the, the kind of like the nature of, of the trees and the birds and the squirrels. And we have a crab apple tree back there. Um, and there's squirrels. Even right now as we speak, they're probably jacking my apples right now. And I just don't want them to take those apples because those apples are those things that, that, that you can make jam out of or you can make pie out of. We've made, my kids love picking those, those apples and we love creating and making stuff uh, to eat. But, those, but when the squirrels, when they eat the apples, I notice that some of the limbs, they just, they die and they, and they fall. And then when they, they walk on it, they, they, they fall. Now, my wife is a sweetheart, but her biggest enemy is squirrels. Okay, I'm just telling you the truth right now. Her biggest enemies, enemy is squirrels. And when she sees a squirrel, she slides on, hey, get off my tree right now. And she just yells it out. And I love it because now my daughter, who is six, mom, the squirrels. And she's knocking on the window and she'll run out and they're chasing the squirrels. I think it's hilarious. But the reason why I bring that up is because those squirrels had created dead limbs. And those dead limbs have fallen off the tree. And let me tell you something. Those branches... They don't grow apples anymore. They're just laying on the ground. And then there, my son and I, we have to pick up all, all the limbs. And Jesus says, if you remain in me, which he's divine, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Like those, like those uh, apples on my tree. Those apples remain in the tree. It will produce apples. But when the, tr- when the branch is cut down, and no longer connected. Everyone say connected. And no longer connected. <laughs> no fruit's going to bear anything out of that branch. And we can have such a teaching behind that because he says this. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. He never said you are nothing. He said you can do nothing. All Jesus wants us to do is remain in him so that we, remember it's for our benefit, so that we can acknowledge his presence. He wants us to acknowledge his presence. He wants us to, uh, to, to uh, experience his unseparating love. Understand that when we have a revelation of his unseparating love, when we understand that God's love, nothing can separate his love for the people here on earth. Nothing can separate that. When we have a revelation or we have an insight that, man, he has unfailing love, there is a question that is squashed off the bat. I mean, just bug type of squash and swiped off and everything. And that question is, where are you, God? Where are you, God? You know, so many times I know in my personal life, because I didn't seek him out daily, and I'd go through a tough situation or a circumstance or something's going on in my life, I would, I would question, where are you, God? Why am I, where are you at? 
But understand, when we enter into that, in that seeking, when we seek him out, what God is doing is he's preparing our heart for his answer. It is his answer that he wants us to abide in. You see, in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, Paul says this, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. I'm going to say that again. Neither our fears for today no, nor our worries for tomorrow. Can anybody say amen to that? You know, I'm going to pause there for a second. Fear today means no faith in Christ. But when we can squash fear in the name of Jesus Christ with our faith, understand that you can conquer this day, that you have already conquered this day. And I believe, and I highlight and emphasize that part because a lot of us, we tend to live by a fear, maybe not on purpose, but we tend to live by a fear and and, then worry about what is going to look like tomorrow. And scripture tells us neither our fears, neither fears for today nor worries about tomorrow, that won't separate us. Okay, continuing on. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Nothing in hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you guys should be aiming to the, amening to that one right there. Because here's the thing, that is truth and revelation that the people out there don't even know yet. And you have been commissioned and called to share the good news. To let them know you don't have to fear for today. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. That Christ our Lord will meet every need. He will show us every direction if you seek his faith. Seek his faith. It is so important to seek his faith. This experience, when we seek him out, is contagious. Don't get me wrong. Let me me pause for a second. Don't get me wrong. Nothing stops God's blessing and faithfulness. He is, he is faithful when we're unfaithful. Know that. But I want you to know the importance, the importance of what it means to be a disciple, to a follower of Jesus Christ. Coming to him and seeking him with all you got in all your heart. Whether that, that means it's through worship or through prayer or through music or through, through art. I had the great privilege to pray with a friend right now or a couple of days ago about art. And I think that is awesome because however, however that looks like, whatever it is, when you give it to God, it's good. It's good no matter what. There's no judgment on it. There's all heart in it. Again, he wants us to, uh, to experience all that because that experience that we have is contagious to those that are around us. And, they, and when, when they catch it and when they understand it, they say, man, something, what is it about you? What is it? That's an open door for you. It's for the invitation. And what God wants is the acknowledgement and them to remain in him. He wants the acknowledgement for them to remain in them. And there are three ways, three important ways that will help us through that. And I just want to quickly run through those three ways for you guys, okay? To know him when you seek his face, to know him. You can all, there are are a couple of ways. You can know him through his word, obviously, his scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture, that's his word, okay? All scripture is God-breathed. And is useful in teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 
so that the man of God and the women of God, that's us, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. For every good work here on earth. In other words, you've been given the tools thoroughly by God to do the works here for his kingdom, to advance his kingdom. When, when life, other words, when life suffocates us, when life gets hard and we feel like we just can't breathe in this life, his word, we have his word and his God breath. You see, when, when, you, when, when someone is suffocating and they're going through something and, and, and they need air, they need breath, the breath. And he's saying, when you feel life squeezing you that way, you have the God's breath. You have the breath of life to turn to, the word of God. And, and when you crack this baby open and you start reading and you put what's on the page into here and let it sink in here, God is activated and breathing in your life. There is no difference. Listen, church, there is no difference from you reading the Bible and meditating and allowing the, the, God, the, the breath of God to get into you than what God did to Adam when he breathed into the nostrils of Adam. There's no difference. The same breath that Adam received that brought him life is the same breath that we find in him the moment we feel like, I can't breathe in this life. I feel like I'm being squeezed by life. And he's saying, seek me, get to know me through my word, and watch the breath of life be blown into your life. Let, 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 me, let me blow into your nostrils and bring life to a situation, life to a relationship, life to your finances, life to all of you. You guys awake? <laughs> he, he wants to bring life to you. Again, number one, know him through his word. Number two, know him through the Holy Spirit, his spirit. In John 14, 26, Jesus says this, but the helper, everyone say the helper. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring your, to your remembrance all things I said to you. Ever been in a situation where you're looking for some help? No matter how broad that, that question may be? Ever, ever look to say, oh, I just need help. And I don't know, and you turn to some things. And you need the help, but we turn to these things and we feel like, man, we're not getting the help that we wanted or we desired. That's because those temporal things can't meet what you're expecting inside. But scripture tells us, Jesus tells us, I, I, our Father is sending you the helper in my name. And he is the Holy Spirit. So when you pursue and you're seeking for help, turn to him. Because he will help you through every situation. He said his spirit will help you in, in all this life and forevermore. And the third thing and the final thing I want to tell you guys is know him through his church. And this is probably the bigger one I want to really emphasize. Not the fact that reading his word and, 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 and relying on the Holy Spirit is not. But I want you to understand this, church. In Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, okay? 25, not giving up meeting together. I'm gonna say that again. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approach. He says, don't give up on meeting together. 
every Sunday we have a privilege here to gather together and to do life together. Some of us, we leave and we don't see each other. Some of us, we do see each other. But when we gather in his name, we are getting to know him through the church. You guys, the church, you were sent to this place, okay? You were sent to this place with a reason and a purpose in your life. And I, church, I encourage you guys, don't stop meeting together. You see, when we gather together, when we get to know him through the church, we have to understand that we are a part, not just of his kingdom, but of his body. You see, scripture tells us that he is the head and we are the body. And so many times we expect things to happen in our life, but it doesn't come through because we're we're waiting for God to do something. But God said, hey, I sent you to be the hands and feet of that. I've sent you to be the voice on this earth. Because when we represent him here on earth, he represents us up there in heaven. You see, when we can look to the, to, the, to the people and say, hey, we have a life and an eternal life in Christ. And when we can reach those and be a part of those people in their lives, no judgment. I'll say that again. No judgment. But with compassion and love like Jesus did. He's looking to those in the heaven. He's saying, look at my son. Look at my daughter. Representing me on earth. I'm going to represent them up here. And when we have that knowledge that when we gather together as a church, this is not just a routine or what we do on a Sunday or let's just get through it. This is your time as saints because you are saints, okay? Quit thinking football. (laughs) As saints of the kingdom of God to gather together, gather together, to edify each other. Scripture says to encourage one another, to keep pressing toward the goal. You know, I said this earlier, and I'll keep saying it again. I absolutely love when we meet and greet. There's a part in a segment in our service where I encourage you guys, get out of your seats, you know, handshake, high five, I hug a couple of people, get to introduce yourself to new people. I love that because I know there's a lot of conversation going on. And I've seen conversation where like, oh, praise God, it's good to see you. But I've also seen uh, a conversation where like it's just been tough. And a hug is what they needed and they, they received that. That's because you didn't give up, according to scripture, on meeting together. The worst thing we can do, church, when something arises, is isolate ourselves away from people, away from the church, away from God. Because when we isolate ourselves, we decided not to stay connected. And when we're not connected, we don't bear fruit. And I don't mean that, hear my heart, I don't mean that in a condemning way. I mean it in a truthful way, in an encouraging way. If you feel like there is no fruit coming out right now of your life, where have I been? Or why isn't this producing out? Why is my attitude bitter? Or why am I constantly uh, bickering about this? Or whatever it is, check yourself. Am I connected to the vine? Am I connected to his word? (laughs) Am I connected to the church? Am I connected to him? Check yourself. And when you do so, and you realize I'm not there, and we follow what scripture says, 
says he would answer. He says, when you seek, it's not a game to God. You will find me. Church, we're in a season right now of 21 days of prayer and fasting. But just because we're in a season or we're not in the season of fasting doesn't mean you don't seek God. This is my encouragement for you. Seek him like you've never saw him before. We're declaring a great year. We're declaring his blessings. We're declaring all of that. But get to know him first and let those things fall before you. Proverbs says, when you pursue, when you pursue riches, honor, and prosperity, <laughs> pretty much leads to a dead end. But he says, but when you pursue integrity, when you pursue righteousness, honor, prosperity, and riches chase you. It's a mindset. It's a heart check. Am I temporally driven or am I going to be eternally driven for him? Church, it is your decision. We are here to encourage and to lead you guys to the will and what God has for your life. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our head. You know, for a few minutes, we just got to talk about a couple of things of God, what God's doing as we continue to seek his face out. Here's the battle. I know a lot of us are weary right now. I know that. I am weary. Scripture says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we have to understand that the spirit within us is already there, activated and alive. It just takes you to take that first step. Look, if this is your first time, a couple of invitations. If this is your first time you ever heard Jesus this way, let me reassure you. It is something you have to rest in, not work for. If you need a savior in your life, if, you would, if your heart would stop beating right now and you don't know where you're gonna go, Jesus says, I can give you eternal life and you can have assurance of where you're gonna go. But it requires you to say yes to him. I would love to lead you in that prayer. The second invite is maybe, maybe you haven't been really seeking him out and it's been more in a neutral type of deal. You know, situations are making you angry. People are making you upset. Reality check, they can't make you upset. You've chosen to be upset. And you want to come back to him. You just want to recommit to him. On those two invitations, on the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hand up, okay? One, I want Jesus, all eyes closed. Two, I need Jesus. Three, shoot your hand up. I want him. God bless you. I see God bless you back there and you back there. The best decision you're ever going to make in your life. God bless you. You can put your hand down. I, wanted, I want you to ask a question right now, okay? With all eyes closed still, ask this question to yourself. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Now listen. You know, so many times we can rush through, a, through an invitation or, or, or someone coming to Christ. But so many, sometimes we just need to allow the Spirit of God to speak to us. And I believe with my heart right now, there are still people here that know truth. And they know I need them. I need a Savior. And the battle is, I don't know if I want to shoot my hand up or not. Here's the thing. The victory is not in the hand. That's just an outward symbol. But let me tell you something. When you experience and you encounter 
true love from him, you'll be shooting your hands up everywhere you go for his glory. You know you need him. Shoot your hand up right now. I would love to pray with you. Let's pray. Let's all put one hand over our heart. Let's do this as a church family. And repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe in you. I know your word is true. I know your word never turns void. And I know it is alive and active in my life. Lord, forgive me for all I've committed. By my faith, I receive your mercy and I receive your grace. I receive your spirit. I receive your truth. I know you abide in me as I abide in you. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.